Hello and welcome back to the FPL Lounge podcast. We are back with a very normal show, but it's been a while since we've just been but just just been doing review shows, and we are back to review game week twenty three. My name is Chris Hopkins, and I'm joined by the Lewis Carroll novel Alice in Wonderland to my Alison Blunderland. It's Andy Case. Andy, did you? Well, marks out of 10 for that incredible pun that I did steal from a national newspaper. Well, I was about to say, I've seen that on a newspaper today. So you get a one because you've completely stolen it and plagiarised it. But it's, it's, it was too good not to mention, really. I couldn't I couldn't not bring it up. I just think, I think Alison Blunderland has to be one of my favourite football-related sort of punny headlines I've ever seen. Oh, Bold. Up there with Super Cali Go Ballistic, that one. Yeah, up there with that. Up there with that. And there was once, um, th- this was completely organic and off my own back, but I think, I can't remember what year it was, several years ago, Sunderland were playing Man City on like a New Year's Day, and they Sunderland won it in the last minute with, with a goal from G-Dong one. And I said to my mate who I was watching it with, Jack, listener of the show, G's only Dong and won it. Wow. I mean, that was a lot of build up for what turned out to be really, really quite lame. So I think I think I think it's probably one of the best things I've ever, ever said, which obviously, as listeners of the show will know, isn't a particularly high bar. Um, but let's let's crack on with, with, with the reviews. We've got so much to get through, as as always. Um, it's been a while since we've done a review. So on our review shows, we start by reviewing our players on the radar. And we'll have a look at a top differential and a blankety-blank. Blankety-blank being a high-owned player that blanked in this game week. We will review our swimming against the tide and our captaincy picks. And then have a few early thoughts uh, towards game week 24 and beyond. So Andy, let's start. We've got quite a few players on the radar this week. Just because um, you know, last time we, we, we recorded the preview, there seemed to be um, you know, a lot of fixture changes. And I think you know, we were trying to think about players that, that, that might be quite useful Going forward, and obviously one of those fixture changes was uh, was Burnley having having a few doubles and a few tasty doubles in there. So we were thinking along the lines of, of of Matt Lawson in particular, but I guess generally Burnley defenders and also potentially Nick Pope. And I saw a lot of people bringing in Nick Pope on FPL Twitter this weekend. Um, but they'll be disappointed, I guess, with how how that kind of move uh, would have started for them. Yeah, I guess it's going to depend if they played him this week, I suppose, because as you and I had the conversation, like when we were planning our own teams, Chris, I was in two, I, I was one of those people who bought Pope in and I was in two minds whether to actually start him and and, and it, it would be easy to understand why people wouldn't, would be like, well, why bother bringing him in if you're not going to start him? But the point is it's, um, you know, you lose a transfer if you don't use it. Um, you can only roll one over, right, to the following game week. And I and I had two you this had week. Two, didn't you? So. Yeah. So and I want I, I want to use two next week. So I had to use at least one. Otherwise, I'd just lose it. Um, and so the thinking was, I could I could transfer in Pope and 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 keep uh you know play put just put him on my bench ready for the double coming up in 24 and play the, the keeper I already had, which would have been the wise move as it was Martinez, my other keeper, and he got a clean sheet. But unfortunately I, I did I did go for Pope. So yeah, any anyone like me who kind of brought in any of those Burnley defender played and might have been a little bit disappointed. But I th- I think, you know, the radar isn't about one week, is it? They're on our radar because of the fact they've got a couple of double game weeks coming up and they've got some decent fixtures in the longer term as well. So you know, a little bit of a disappointment here, but I'm, you know, I'm still hopeful that that you know, he, Pope's got two stabs at a clean sheet in the upcoming game week, and that's what I wanted him in for. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, I said to you in our in our private chat when we were deliberating over our, over our own teams, I did feel kind of 
of the four fixtures that Burnley have coming up, or sort of including the one at the weekend, um, the Brighton one was the one that concerned me the most. Uh, you know, Brighton not necessarily renowned for um, you know getting you know, high xG and 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 definitely not great finishing um, from from Neil Mapai in particular. But this one did feel potentially. Um, a bit, a bit, a bit of a sticky one for Burnley, or the one where, they, where you know, in my view, they were probably most likely to concede. Um, their XGC, though, Andy, wasn't particularly bad, so I think you might just kind of have to chalk this one off as as just being a bit unlucky, I guess. No, I think so. Yeah, like the underlying numbers still support in Burnley. There, they they they, they conceded no big chances in this game, um, and yeah, so you know. Heart 0.5 uh, is the XGC you just you just kind of referred to there. So that that's you know cumulatively all of the chances they did concede, you know none of them big, uh, you know added up to a half of a goal's worth uh, probability wise. So yeah, a slight slightly unlucky and 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 like I say, hopefully hopefully still good for those double game weeks coming up. So Man City were another team again that I think you know FPL managers have to be targeting at the minute. And I think um, you know we've spoken about about the Man City triple. Um, uh, who, who might populate your your Man City triple? I guess uh, I guess you know is, is entirely up to you. But and with the sheer amount of double game week fixtures that they have coming up, um, it's hard not to kind of target them. Um, we were perhaps a little bit, you know, possibly feeling a little bit tentative. You know, going into a game with Liverpool, you might not necessarily want to bring City players in straight away. But um, if you did, then chances are you would uh, you, you, you'd be feeling pretty good about it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I don't think we could have predicted um, three big chances for for Gundogan as much as he's been getting in the box loads over the last few game weeks. Again, you know, against Liverpool, we couldn't have we couldn't have seen two goals plus a penalty which he missed. Um, so if you if you brought him in and you played him, then yeah, you 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 will be absolutely delighted with that. Uh, I wonder I wonder how many captains uh, he 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 had this week. How many people were brave enough to put the armband on him? I mean, his, his performances have been good recently, so it wouldn't be it wouldn't have been the wildest shout ever, but still bold to be doing that away away at Liverpool. Um, and uh, yeah, yeah, but even if you didn't uh, sort of play him this week, you'll probably be a little bit disappointed. But again, the reason we were looking at City players here was not just this fixture, was it? Um, kind of, kind of in this game week, it's that it's that longer. This was part of our longer term kind of thinking. As without getting into it too much, we tried to in the in the preview. But obviously, if you if you haven't seen that or, or heard our preview, you know you need you need to be going to have a look at what's coming up in the next few game weeks with FA Cup fixture rearrangements and double game weeks all over the show. I guess you know. I guess part of this kind of city triple that that, that that we're talking about, obviously, Gundogan is just one of those players. I mean, I guess we were kind of feeling a bit more positive about about their defenders in general. I think we've always just hypothesised that they're probably slightly less of a rotation risk. Um, and obviously, you know, City's uh, City have kept a lot of clean sheets um, over the last couple of months, really. Um, you know, no, you know, it's, it's not necessarily unexpected for them not to keep a clean sheet against Liverpool, but they were also fairly untroubled and obviously only conceded a penalty um which you know for me was a bit soft but i know that that, that, that you slightly disagree in that sense but still i guess you know the the, the long time sort of trend for, for the city defenders you know whoever they're playing has been that you know they're not conceding that many goals at all i think you know this was one of not, you know i think it's like only the second goal that diaz and stones have conceded together in in, in what seems like an age so um so, so you know despite not necessarily getting those clean sheet points this week um i guess it's not really worrying us for the future either no not at all i mean without the penalty you know manchester city conceded 0.4 xg in the game so you know again barely anything um i, w- I wouldn't say it was uh 
uh, I disagree with you necessarily on it being soft. I, I think, you know, it was, it was, uh, there wasn't a huge amount of, um, there was certainly, there was no need for Salah's legs to sort of disappear underneath him. But I think what well, I just look at it more in the sense of it, like it either is a foul or it isn't a foul. So it's not about like, you know, softness or, you know, how harsh it is as a decision or anything. It's just, I think it was a foul. Uh, like I say, Salah's made the most of it, but Diaz has, has pulled his arm. Um, so yeah, it, it, which is unlike Diaz. He's been, he's been a rock this season. So that, that's, uh, you, you, even though they've been fantastic, you still kind of have to highlight when they met. I think that was poor decision-making from Diaz to try and sort of hook Salah's arm like that. So, uh, but, 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 you know, it's, it's a one-off and I think, I think longer term, the, the significant amount of clean sheets and particularly amount of possessions City usually have mean that we can, we can be fairly confident, hopefully of, of more clean sheets to come. Yeah, and then I guess just at the other end of the pitch, I mean, Phil Foden got the Man of the Match award. Um, he looked a constant sort of thorn in in, in Liverpool's side. Um, I, is it still starts with him? You know, is he playing his way into into being you know, more consistently in in a Pep Pep team? I guess it's just impossible to say. And, and until then. It's a bit buyer beware, really, isn't it? No, absolutely. I mean, it is. Uh, we even with defenders, we've been asking questions about who's sort of more certain to start and and who can we rely on. And we asked the question in the preview: Is there any are, are there any other attacking players or midfielders that you can, can kind of even consider for City? And I think Foden, for the majority of this season, has been kind of up there on our list when we when we look at those others uh, for for City. But he's just constantly getting him, even with player, even players like Sterling and everything, you know, get constant rotation up there for City. So that's what makes it tricky with Foden. However, you know, over the last, I don't know, eight game weeks, I don't, I don't have the exact numbers, but he seems to have started a bit more often. And certainly his performances, he's just like really starting to grow into that potential that we've all been, you know, you don't want the whole golden generation thing to happen to him where there's so much hype and build up that he under delivers. But he's starting to really really become that kind of classy like looking as though he could be like world elite level sort of um type player and his performance in this game was probably like the first time on like a massive stage like this he's he's delivered a performance like that so i'd hope he starts to get into the diaz and stones and gunduan sort of level of thinking with pep where no if this guy's fit he needs to be starting absolutely and um, let's move on then to chelsea and they're obviously a team that, that have intrigued us uh, since Thomas Tuchel came in as manager, um, I think you know we're still really looking at what kind of team selection he's making and and who starts. Um, I guess you know to run through the players that we've kind of highlighted. Callum Hudson-Odoi didn't start in this one. Antonio Antonio Rudiger did, um, but got an own goal, which is a you know annoying. I think as, as as you put on our on our on our pre-pod sheet, annoying. But Chelsea still not conceding many chances, so he still looks like a fairly very good option. Um, but Alonso also benched for Chilwell, but then also came on for him pretty pretty early. I guess you know getting getting subbed off for Chilwell after 62 minutes probably doesn't bode that well for him. Um, but I guess there is one player who is really coming kind of coming into his own in Tuchel's system. I know he's already in your team and has been a, a pretty you know pretty permanent fixture for for a fair number of game weeks now. Um, but Mason Mount is massively benefiting under this, and I guess he's definitely coming into uh, FPL managers' thinking. Well, yeah, I think he probably is. Uh, he he wasn't in my team because I particularly foresaw this, so I can't certainly can't um, take any credit for that. He was in my team more so earlier in the season because when at the time we did it, it was 
pre all these cheap midfielders kind of revealing themselves as good options. And uh, he was kind of one of the only ones who was regularly starting in, in that Chelsea team. So that's kind of why I ended up leaning towards him. He was in that price bracket that I was looking at. And, um, but but now what I'm get, I guess I'm benefiting from is under Tuchel he's playing like a lot more f- further forward, sort of in between two sort of split strikers and <clears throat> even as at times when they really split as almost like a false nine. So yeah, his his average position in the three game weeks he's been playing that position is the furthest forward of any of the games he's played this season, and I think that says a lot to the system and the way Mount's being used, which which. Uh, as in he's basically getting forward more, getting more touches in the box, more potential for goals and assists. And so that obviously only does wonders for him as a, as a potential FPL asset. Just to quickly go back on those others, um, you know, we've got a lot of players on the radar here and we're, we're, we're guilty of this in recent weeks, but, but we hope that you feel that this is genuinely kind of needed with all the double game weeks and everything coming up here. So, uh, you know, apologies that we're getting into a lot of, of detail, but to try and quickly go over those it was more the, my main takeaway on on Chelsea generally I suppose would be there's still a lot of rotation happening I mean interestingly Werner started and assisted again in this game but generally kind of around other around that Alonso who'd been one who had been starting every game under Tuchel was again swapped you know swapped out for Chilwell like you mentioned um obviously Hudson Odoi who'd seemed to have played every game didn't start this one again as well so it just seems like he's obviously not which is fair enough you know 100 settled on on his team yet so other than rudiger because of the fact he's the one that has played every game and they've got a couple of injuries now at center back that you can't i don't think and obviously mendy as the as the keeper i don't i think we still can't be completely sort of sure so to to chuck 5.6 million and say someone like alonso does still feel like a bit of a risk at this stage yeah obviously rudiger at four and a half million just feels you know i don't think he's going to end up Getting any goals, he's definitely not, 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 you know, not a, a creative attacking threat. Um, it doesn't really look like he's kind of been on for bonus points either, from from what I've seen of him. But um, but at the same time, you know, if he's gonna, if Chelsea are gonna keep clean sheet just because they're gonna pass teams to to death basically, and not you know have you know, high percentages of possession in, in, in every game, um, then I think he 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 could be, you know, you know the best option. Um, and, and as you say, the fact that he's kind of reliably starting as well at the minute um, definitely sort of plays plays into his favour. And yeah, you know, if you were looking for a Chelsea attacker, then then, then for me, it's going to be Mason Mount, whether Timo Werner's getting assists or not. Um, it was on the on, on the last podcast that I described all 12% of uh, Timo Werner owners as idiots. So um, I stand by that. Um, let's move on to Jesse Lingard. Not, didn't sort of wow um, in quite quite the same way in his second West Ham appearance as, as he did it on his debut. But again, Andy, you seem to notice that West Ham looked a little, or I say a little, considerably more blunt and a bit more defensive, despite the fact uh, that they were playing against Fulham. Well, yeah, I think Lingard uh, on the eye didn't necessarily play as well. That It didn't look as good. But then I think it was that was more symptomatic of just West Ham as a team. They seemed a lot more defensive. That you know They weren't going forward as much. Uh, Antonio, for, as another example, I mean, someone who had, I think he's had, like 1.5, 1.6 XG in the previous game, something ridiculous like that. And he had none, absolutely no. In fact, no XA either in this game. So really, really blunt. Um, and yeah, so, so I mean, that Lingard is, is, is a player who can be streaky. So I, I would be concerned about the kind of inconsistency shown in those two different games. However, given, you know, that he seemed to settle into the team and he started both games and that, it, you know, he was perhaps suffering from a defensive approach uh, for West Ham. I'm willing to give him a little bit more time to perhaps show us uh, that he, he can produce consistency for them. Yeah, I think that's fair enough. And I think you know, we've always 
um, you know, despite the fact that we've been fairly impressed by West Ham this year, I think we've always struggled to particularly nail down which of their attacking assets, other than obviously now Fisic and Antonio, that, that we've particularly liked. And um, we found Bowen and Fornals and you know, Ben Rama in flashes, not particularly good fantasy options. And actually it has ended up, you know, because he's also a lot cheaper, you know, meant that we've sort of plumped for Suchek. And obviously he's, he's got goals over, over recent weeks, obviously um, with an with a unfortunate red card. Um, in this game, but it's, I think it's been rescinded. So if you know, owners do do hold on to him, I think. Um, <clears throat> sh- uh, anything else on West Ham, Andy, or should we should we move on to Brighton? Let's move, move on. Move on to Brighton. Then again, they're another team that we've highlighted. I don't think they're blessed with with, with loads of doubles, Andy, quite in the same way that perhaps Burnley are, but but still got some pretty favourable fixtures. Um, and I think it's Robert Sanchez, and again, you know, some of their cheaper defenders, that uh, Webster in particular, perhaps that. That we were highlighting, obviously playing Burnley in this week, we kind of already covered covered it, but um, they also didn't keep a clean sheet. Um, so you know, if if you bring Sanchez in or or, or one of their defenders, then perhaps not quite what you were hoping for. Um, but Lewis Dunk goal, if you did to kind of go with, with with one of Brighton's more expensive defenders, then you would have benefited at the other end of the pitch. Well, yeah, if you did, I mean, we, he was the one we were saying probably not to go for. But um, uh, yeah, if you obviously did go for him, he he's the kind of captain, I guess, more mainstay. So that might have been your justification there. And, and you'd have sort of lucked out with a goal this week. But no, just to say on Brighton, I mean, you say obviously no doubles, no confirmed doubles, definitely. Yeah, but but our thinking there was obviously they've got, they've had, they before this game had four back-to-back clean sheets. They, got, they had fantastic fixtures with, with obviously Burnley this week. But then coming up, it's Villa, Palace, West Brom. And if they beat Leicester in the cup, which isn't, you know, inconceivable by any stretch, then they would quite probably have Newcastle uh, moved into that, week with West Brom in 26 so a potentially very juicy um, d- double game week for them there with West Brom and Newcastle if they were to get through in the cup yeah absolutely and and I think we might come on to this later but obviously Newcastle not as much of a threat perhaps at the minute um, as they might have been a few weeks ago um, and then we, we I guess we, we we rounded off our radar section by answering a question that we had on Twitter and just basically like is how many kind of premium midfielders or is it is it worth owning if any um, and I guess you know we probably sat on the fence a little bit on on, on that question because I think it's you know, hard for us to, hard for us to really say um, you know get rid of Salah get rid of Bruno get rid of Son get rid of well, you know get rid of any any of the fit um, premium midfielders but uh, all of them that I've just mentioned had, had a bit of a week this week and I guess that kind of justifies why you would hold on to them um, I guess Son perhaps with the slight asterisk that he might have been the one that we were thinking of getting rid of without Harry Kane but. Um, Jose Mourinho has done his usual trick of basically pretending that someone has a has a very long-term injury and they're only out for a couple of weeks. Yeah, well, I've been burnt by that myself this season when with Son and he scored, was it two or three at United? Because uh, I moved him out of my team because I thought he was going to be injured. But um, no, yeah, that, though... I think our point was no, no. What the fact they've returned this week doesn't necessarily make us right. I don't think we can justify ourselves on 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 that. But we were more so just kind of on the fence there a bit to say, well, I could understand an approach because the question I think originally was, you know, should basically should I just go for those kind of 
cheaper ones because they're proving good value and that would be fair enough because it's not just that they were proving good value some of them like gunduan as a particular example are actually some of the highest returners as well so in that instance i I could kind of see that and the others just weren't returning for their price however we we were sort of saying they were still over the course of the whole season some of the highest scorers those premium players and their underlying numbers were generally kind of okay so that was kind of our thinking there is why you might kind of hold them if you've got them particularly if you've got value stored up in them as well and then yeah when 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 Sons got came back he looks he was maybe the one we were highlighting as as the the one who didn't even didn't have the underlying numbers but obviously it's a completely different story that's you know without Kane and it's it's a completely different story now he's got him back so yeah re- returns for all of them and in fact goals for all of them so um that's why they cost the money to do I suppose absolutely absolutely uh, let's uh, take a break which is rare in our review shows but we have so much to get through I think it's only only fair that we that that, that you have a little break from our from our voices um, but when we return we will go through a blankety blank and a top differential here at the fpl lounge we are keen to hear from you be sure to follow us on twitter at fpl underscore lounge and let us know what you think during the season we will have new episodes out twice a week a preview show on a friday and a review show on a tuesday be sure to subscribe wherever you get your pods so that you get the show before the all-important game week deadline Thanks for joining us in the FPL Lounge. Welcome back. So, Andy, let's start with Blankety Blank. It feels so long since we've done either of these segments, really. Um, but for Blankety Blank, for those that, 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 that don't know, Andy and I pick out a, a high-owned player who has blanked in a given game week to kind of give him, a, a, I guess, kind of like a dunce of the week kind of award it's not particularly kind is it but but never mind um there are a few this week that, that were perhaps a little bit higher owned that blanked but we're going to focus on on a player 19 percent owned so not not massively high i think probably one of one, one of the lower ones that would have featured um but because we haven't done this segment in so long uh, this player has really had uh, quite a you know quite a stretch of not really returning high numbers and that's uh, that's andrew robertson at liverpool andy yeah, well, I think we want to uh, you like this. Usually, we would, you know, just dunce of the week. Perhaps doesn't doesn't isn't the term most people will have heard. I think we we don't like to to tick that explicit uh, language box when we have to upload the podcast. So we didn't really. I think this segment would have a different name if we weren't worried about that. Let's let's say it's alliterative, and it would probably be known as silly Billy of the day but a, uh, a different a different word for that, how people might have known it. That's kind of our thinking often when we're doing this. But yeah, as you say, because we haven't done one for such a while now, with all these hybrids, it just hasn't been possible to kind of go through all of these different options as well. And so uh, Andrew Robertson was sticking out to me at least because of, um, so I think it would uh, someone could make a reasonable argument that in this particular week, the fact they conceded a few goals to Man City, you know, all good, you know, City are a great team, so it's no shame necessarily losing losing to them. So, and that would be fair enough. But obviously, Andrew Robertson costs you seven point three million. He's one of the most expensive, well, so the second most expensive defender uh, in the game, only behind Trent, his fellow Liverpool fullback. Um, so you, you're putting a lot of money in him if you're if you're owning him. And over the last six game weeks, he's had one clean sheet. He's had no sort of good underlying sort of numbers to suggest he's particularly bombing forward getting goals or assists or anything either and so i think he's not really justifying that price tag at the moment and and cumulatively he's he's certainly sticking out as 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 the kind of one of the poorest choices of the premium assets there 
Yeah, absolutely. I think he, you know, his if we had done this a few weeks ago, I, th- I imagine he would have had a higher ownership, nineteen percent as well. So, so yeah, he, obviously that's that's the time of recording. But yeah, we, we if we'd have done this segment over the weeks when we, when we've been doing hybrid shows, it would not shock me one bit if Robbo and Trent had featured more than once, which I think is kind of one of the reasons um, why we're um, why we're going to kind of going to bring you know, bring Robbo to to the fore this week. Yeah, and also just to say, I suppose that he's a. Uh... Uh, as much as I, I was trying to, I guess, justify our pick there in terms of sort of a cumulative effect, he has actually got zero points this week. So, yeah, it might be fair enough they've conceded a few uh, or lost to City, but perhaps not to let in four. I don't think even for Liverpool, for the, you know, that, that that's excusable necessarily. And he has got absolutely zero points, which is which is fewer than than than, uh, than many of the others we might mention. So, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I guess zero is the full definition of, 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 a, of a blank. Because um, yeah, he he's ended up with, with absolutely no benefit to his fantasy owners uh, this week. Um, I guess the other way sometimes that, that that we think about this segment is like who disappointed their owners the most, and therefore I think on the honourable mention side of things, um, we're going to have to mention Mikel Antonio. We kind of already have when we were talking about Jesse Lingard in, in the radar segment, but just two points in the twenty-two point four percent ownership. Um, you know, again, not massively high. Um, I think you noticed, Andy, that a fair few of the sort of 40%, uh, you know, of, of the very high-owned players did all basically return this week. So, but we're going to have to bring up Antonio, just I guess because of his form that he's been in, and the fact that it was against Fulham, and I'm sure he probably got a fair few armbands this week from from FPL managers. I imagine he probably did. I think I saw a tweet that he was in the top from F, official FPL that he was in the top five somewhere. I don't know exactly where, but yeah, he was certainly one of the most captains. So, and and I think it was a disappointment. Yeah, but like like we always say with these things, all you can do really is is kind of question your decision making and probably with play, with both players on the radar and but even more so particularly for captain. There's like three things that we all almost unconsciously kind of do when we're when we think about this, and it's like eye test, um, underlying numbers, and then fixture. Are not necessarily in that order and um he was kind of ticking all of those boxes like he looked involved a lot with you know for West Ham over the last few game weeks he'd scored plenty of goals the underlying numbers were great he was getting loads of goal and assist potential the fixture looked good Fulham okay getting a bit better defensively recently but still you know conceding a fair few chances so all of that was was, was kind of going in his favour and it, um it's a shame West Ham worse did take such a defensive approach but it's one of those things that you just can't kind of um account for necessarily yeah absolutely and then just two more just to quickly mention one i guess is a bit of a bit of a public information uh sort of notice i guess um obviously callum wilson just just a one point this weekend for his 22 percent ownership uh, but he did come off injured over 35 so after 35 minutes rather so uh, definitely worth having a look to see if he's likely to be playing in the future if you own him and then Ruben Diaz also one point with with a booking and obviously City not keeping a clean sheet um, and we're I guess we're picking him out Andy because the fact that City conceded was almost all on all solely on him really um, not only did he give the ball away which led to Salah going clean from goal but then also conceded the penalty um, so, so yeah and I guess just worth also flagging that um, you know Patrick Bamford has a very high percentage ownership um, but he has yet to play when we are recording this anything else on those one down the in particular Let's not really back on then with top differential and I guess uh, we have already we have already referenced Phil Foden um, but it'll be hard to not give him the kind of top differential crown this week after his 16-point haul, it does have an 8% ownership, which is possibly a little high for, for 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 when we've been doing top differential before. But we never set any rules. We never set a kind of 
maximum ownership for to, to, to get this get this highly coveted award. Um, so we're going to roll with it because he was pretty good. Yeah, I think our sort of loose rule, at least in our heads when we've discussed it, is sort of roughly under 10%, isn't it? I mean, it's arguable whether if you're in one in 10 teams, you're a differential at that point. But but um, no, I think I think given that he's... um. He's not certainly not highly owned, and he got you know 16 points is a, is a big haul for anyone in any week. So he's definitely deserving of that this week. And as I mentioned, it, it's those starts really that's the that's the concern with him. But he he's just been in such fantastic form and looked looked so good in this game. So I just feel like we absolutely had to give it to him because of how well he played. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And then I guess honorable honorable mentions Andy for uh, Armoron, just 0.4% ownership and 15 points for him this weekend. I don't think we'll be looking into Newcastle attackers going forward. Although perhaps if Wilson's uh, injury persists and Amron is maybe play through the middle, I mean, maybe. Yeah, I think he was out left in this game. But if he, if he does end up through the middle, because they did play 4-4, they've moved to like a 4-4-2 system, which is interesting, or moved back to, because I think they were sort of playing that earlier in the season. And um, but it was it was uh, some Maximan who who was as the, as the one up front. I think you, they'd played Ryan Fraser previously to that. We both yeah, I've seen Ryan there. Fraser move move up front. And again, that was maybe one that we can we could maybe think about seeing if seeing where he is for future radars. But um, yeah, I mean, I'm not going to be jumping towards him anytime soon. I don't think. I mean, it's, it's worth saying that these. Two, I think he got 15 points, which I think was two, at least two um, goals. I don't know if he got any other returns. It was two, um, two, two goals, I think, and they they were scored from like I think both both chances, if I remember rightly, were like 0.04 xg. So it's just one of those where they're obviously like great finishes, and you you know, it's not like saying he's he's uh, regularly getting great chances by any stretch. Yeah, he had, had had a bit of a day, and then two more just quickly. Uh, Jorginho on four percent ownership. He he got, he came came away with ten points, and Decore uh, Everton less than one percent ownership. He also came away with ten points. But I guess neither neither of those Andy are particularly appealing. Although um, Jorginho, you've said in particular, is a, is a no deal for you. Um, but he's on penalties. So no, definitely. Yeah, no. I mean, I mean, if you're going to get penalties, but I think you can't be sure. He's, Kante came back in this game. You can't be sure he's going to start necessarily. I mean, yeah, great, he's on penalties, but it, you know, he got them taken off him earlier in the season because he missed a couple. Um, yeah, he's um, you, you're not sure he's going to start. So just, I couldn't be having him as a as top differential. Certainly not when when you know Foden's got six more points than him as well. And yeah, on Decore, I still wouldn't. I couldn't be having that either, just because I mean it was an absolute tapping and a ridiculous mistake from De Gea that gave him his goal that's got him these points. So I again, I don't think you should be. You compare Foden's performance to that, it's just different world. Absolutely. Um, let's quickly review our swimming against the tide then. Uh, for those that didn't listen to the preview, this was uh, that we were swimming against Aaron Wan-Bissaka being one of the most transferred in players uh, in, ahead of game week 23. Um, I mean, it feels a bit odd, Andy, because he did end up getting an attacking return in this game. Um, but it wasn't, it did not really an indication of Aaron Wan-Bissaka's attacking or creative ability. Um, just sort of giving a little five-yard pass for Bruno Fernandes to, to absolutely do everything else. Um, and obviously no clean sheet, United conceding three in this. So I guess as far as we're concerned, it's kind of job done, although the numbers or his sheer amount of points that he returned this week maybe doesn't tell us the whole story. Yeah, I mean, it was only four points. It wasn't exactly a massive haul. And um, I think from everything I saw, we were completely justified. Like when we get these right, we point out that it is just what that's just one week and we need to kind of keep an eye on it over the longer term, see if we're actually kind of really sort of justified or not so it's the same when we if we get them if you like wrong in any one given week um because because yeah i think the over the long term we will we will be sort of 
will be sort of right on this one. And 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 from what I've, for at least you know, I would I would what I saw this week would give me no other evidence to to make a decision in any other direction. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, let's move on then to captaincy again. This was a bit of a tricky one for us this week, and we ended up sort of discussing, but not really kind of tipping anyone up, but discussing quite a few potential options. Um, let's start with Son, uh, who is home to West Brom. Again, we weren't particularly sure about this one because we definitely weren't anticipating Harry Kane to start. And I think had we been, then we would have probably been quite keen on Son and those owners would have probably contemplated captaining him ourselves. Um, but you know, Spurs' lack of creativity, um, despite their fixture, didn't really make Son appeal. But as soon as Kane comes back... Um, Look, the Spurs look at you know, a fairly different team. Well, they still didn't create loads, but I guess it, it, it makes Son and Kane um, you know, fairly nailed on captaincy options, at least week in, week out when, when they're both back and firing. Well, they're both such elite players, such incredible finishers that they don't need to create much for them both to get goals or one of them to get a goal. And and they, yeah, it, it's kind of it is still uninspiring. I don't feel confident in Spurs or uh, overall, but, you know, because it was West Brom. They're playing a only credit, I think, about 1.5 XG. Um, and uh, so, yeah, it, 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 it's still not ideal. But then Kane and Son, are, like I say, are just such great finishers that when they're both there, they're kind of create creating either for each other or getting on the end of other chances and just give them half a sniff and they're, they're going to exceed that XG. So yeah, they now they're both back. If they're both, if Jake Kane is sort of genuinely fully fit, then they, they become options again, more seriously. Absolutely. Um, Antonio, we kind of already mentioned, but we put him in our kind of top three potential kind of bracket. I think we, we both captained Antonio, or at least I definitely did this weekend. Did you? Yeah. So, so yeah, definitely. Um, you know, not not a great one for him, as we already discussed. Blanked, uh, not a single shot, zero xg, zero xa. So, not great for. Uh, not, not. I mean, very. Couldn't his underlying numbers couldn't really get any worse, could they? And they don't. You can't get. Can't go into negatives. So, so yeah, pr- pretty poor. Um, for for, for anyone that, that ends up captaining him this week. The opposite can be said of Bruno Fernandez. Um, very very nice goal against Everton. And was quite heavily involved. Um, Andy, obviously, you know, listeners to the pod will know that you're a you're a United fan, um, and you, fit, you you kind of feel that Bruno benefits from having certain other players around him. Well, yeah. So it's been it's been a while since Greenwood's kind of had any decent form, but he's had a decent he's had a, a stretch. So Solskjaer's kind of kept the faith in him, and I think he started the last three or four games now, and and he came good in the, in this game. Greenwood, he he was a lot more creative, and I think when he's creating out on the right, that means Rashford can kind of stay a bit more on the left where he's best, and it stretches. You know, it means defenders have to take their that threat more seriously, which frees up a bit more space for Bruno. And then not only that, when you've got an actual natural number nine in in Cavani playing rather than someone say like Martial he he plays on the last shoulder he his movement gets obviously talked about on match of the day you know a lot and, and other places but uh so without kind of falling into that cliche what it does what I'm talking about here is what it does is it it just does more of that create leaving space for Bruno as I mentioned with Greenwood and, and Rashford he, they the defenders have to take that threat of Cavani seriously he's giving them something to think about and moving about more playing on the on the kind of last shoulder which then stretches out that space more to kind of give Bruno the freedom to create as a number 10. Absolutely and, uh, and yeah Cavani himself took his goal very very well too. Um, Liverpool Man City I guess was a bit of a tricky one um, you know normally such well maybe not reliable captaincy choices this season but but they're all that you know their premium assets always feature uh, in this segment for us um, but I guess we would have been pretty worried about captaining any 
um, any of those, especially as we've been pretty keen on uh, on City defenders, um, even as captaincy options, particularly in recent weeks. Um, but if you're stuck the arm man on basically any, well, any kind of premium attacker other than Mane, um, then you'd have been doing all right in this game. Um, Sterling would have, you know, would have come through for you. Salah obviously did. Um, but if you'd have uh, put it on Ilkay Il- Il- Gundogan, then you'd have been you'd have been laughing. No, no, exactly. Yeah, um, we, we I don't think we were bold enough. We we were sort of steering away from it. Like I said earlier, though, if you if you did go Gundogan because of his performances recently, then fair play to you. And then we just had a few others that we rounded off, and this really is a testament to, to kind of how how mixed the captaincy bag kind of felt this week. But we did speak about Callum Wilson. Um, obviously, that didn't uh, happen because he, he went off injured pretty early. Patrick Bamford is still to play. And then Jack Grealish and kind of Ollie Watkins. Ollie Watkins with a return. We did also loosely speak about Chelsea defenders and Brighton defenders, but neither ended up keeping a clean sheet. Um so, Andy, let's look forward to the next game week, which is a double for a handful of teams. And um, before that, there's quite an important cup competition, which uh, will which will really kind of map things out for fantasy managers for, for the next kind of five or so game weeks. Yes, yeah, so we alluded to this quite a bit in last week's preview show, but uh, as you might have noticed, there is no uh, midweek Premier League games. This this week it is FA Cup. And uh, the key here for, for FPL is that the results of those fifth round matches, which are, as the rest of them have been, you know, decided on the night, there's no replays this year. So um, extra time and penalties, we will get results, which means we will know teams that are playing in the sixth round, which is due to be held in game week 29 of FPL. So we will know what teams will not then therefore be playing actually in game week 29 because they'll have an FA Cup quarterfinal instead. Um, and more than that, We'll also know that the, the, um, it's very likely, at least, that the majority of those games will then get moved into game week 26. There's a small few other complications which which mess that up a bit. So, which you know, we haven't really got time to go into all of that again here. So you can you can kind of look that up. But um, essentially, the majority of those games, you know, from teams that get through this week, uh, will be will be moved into 26. So, so the key thing you're looking out for here is who gets through. And we, we've mentioned uh, Ben Krellin on the on the on the last preview show. You know, keep an eye on his Twitter feed. He'll he'll be all over it, and you'll get the kind of up to date details. And I mean, again, we're like a broken clock here. We're going to say the same thing over and over again. But um, it's just another reason to hold on to your transfers. Just absolutely wait until you know that before making any, before you're making your uh, your transfers for this next game week. Are you saying with the broken clock analogy that we're only right twice a day? <laughs> well, I'd like to hope a little bit more than that. It's more so if you chuck enough, you know, you know what at the wall, some of it's going to stick. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, let's uh, let, 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 let's leave our 23 review show there. Um, but if you will allow us to indulge uh, for for a moment, Andy and I would just quite like to uh, to t- take a little bit of time at the end of this pod, um, just to have a quick chat about something that that kind of means quite a lot to both of both of us. Um, Andy and I have known each other what five, six, maybe even seven years now, um, and we uh, both really enjoy American football, and we're both probably flagging a little bit now. Um, from staying up to watch the Super Bowl last night. But there was some news at the weekend um, that someone that we've listened to for a long time on on, on another uh, American football podcast had passed away. Um, I think, Andy, you know, obviously that podcast meant a lot to us because it kind of helped cement our friendship and, and, and you know, get to know uh, each other a little bit more, talking about it and talking about American football in general. Um, but I think it was the way the podcast is kind of set up, the format of it, uh, but also the characters on 
on it that kind of also gave us um, a bit of a grounding, a bit of an inspiration for what we're now doing um, on on this podcast. So I think it kind of makes sense for us to to to, to mention it, and I think we we would be remiss not to really. I think uh, this week. Yeah, well, I can imagine a lot of listeners like wondering, you know, what if you don't obviously listen to it particularly the the around the NFL NFL podcast, like why why would you be talking about this on? on an FPL podcast but I guess this podcast is, is mine and your baby Chris right and like you say we um we felt it would be wrong given given the sort of inspiration we've drawn from from those guys just just because of you know how genuine and authentic they sound and their kind of like relationships they have on that podcast um it would be kind of wrong of us to to, to not mention that um as you say you know it was it was you who actually introduced me to that podcast and um when we when we were starting doing this we we really sort of drew on how they it's just not manufactured in any way what they do you can tell that they are proper mates they 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 genuinely get on and they kind of have a, a great balance i think of telling us helping us as, as british people particularly who, who don't follow necessarily the nfl can't follow it because of the time it's on they give us that news and that information about what's going on but they have like light-hearted chat and um you just feel like a part of the family when when you listen to it and so yeah it is um it is a shame obviously and and, and a sad kind of weekend for the both of us to find out that, that the great chris wessling had had passed away um and he in particular of all of those guys you know they're, they're all they're all sort of great guys and it's a fantastic listen like i say if you haven't had the chance to, to check it out i really highly recommend it as, as a podcast but but west in particular was was the one that really like wore his heart on his sleeve i think i described it to you as like that they're all like i say they're all really genuine but both of us everyone you know you, you say things you act slightly differently in this audio format than perhaps you might be able to like in real person in, in you know in real life but but Wes you can tell he was just the, the kind of guy who he just was who he was and absolutely what as he was like on the podcast was um was how he how he was pro- probably was in real life and I think because we heard from them so often and we, we we really related to that genuine authentic like mates in a pub type vibe that they have on that podcast that over the years and years of listening to someone that often that you know they end up meaning like quite a lot to you and we, we followed his his kind of battle with with cancer over the years and him kind of getting through it once before already and so yeah it just given how much we we both sort of felt for that podcast and and the inspiration it's, it's given us to kind of do this here and and him in particular i want to kind of highlight as well the inspiration he um it, you know it's a brave thing to kind of put yourself out there in the in the way he did and bear his kind of soul for for everyone so we just thought we have to mention him and it it, it would be wrong if we didn't yeah, absolutely. I think um, yeah, if we can end up creating yeah, the, the, uh, uh, you know, anything close to what to, to what they did, particularly um, you know, how Wes sort of came across, um, I think we'd be incredibly proud of, of, of what we end up doing. So, so yeah, I think it was incredibly important for us to, you know, I guess you know, in, if our listeners can indulge us a little bit and and and, and allow us to talk about this um sort of very briefly at at the end um he's survived by uh, by a wife he hasn't been married particularly long but also has has a, has a, a newborn baby boy so that makes the whole thing um even more tragic and he was only 46 when he passed um there is a gofundme which andy and i will be um sort of contributing to obviously um you know he, he the chris was american and um you know things like funeral bills are incredibly high over there and and stuff like that compared to compared to the uk so we we'll, we will be 
um, we will be contributing to that and we will also tweet it out for anyone that feels so inclined as well. Um, sorry to end on such a slightly somber note, but 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 yeah, we we did kind of feel that was important. Um, but back to FPL, Andy, which seems so insignificant in in, in comparison. Um, ahead of game week 24 and uh, and 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 you know letting us know how uh, our, our listeners got on in game week uh, 23 how can people get in touch with us yeah well people can find us or and hopefully like as we say once we tweet it out that that gofundme page to help with uh, all kinds of you know like you say the the hospital bills and everything they, they don't they don't have the kind of national health care over there that we do here um you, you'll be able to find it on on twitter or instagram at fpl underscore lounge Excellent, and do uh, do remember to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your wherever you get your podcast from. Um, I think Andy and I have been mixing uh, mixing up a little bit on 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 some of the shows we've been doing. Obviously, we've had the Honey Trap, and we've had Swimming at the Tide, and we've got the Stats versus Eye Test. So do let us know feedback, particularly on those segments. And and as we kind of alluded to in our in our little tribute to to Chris Wessling, uh, we do want to make this podcast as good as it can be. Um, and although. Although we're taking some inspiration from others, um, all feedback from our listeners will be greatly appreciated. Um, we will be back with a fairly normal schedule. So we will be back to preview Game Week 24, which, as I said, is a double for a handful of teams on Thursday. So, Andy, until Thursday. Thanks for joining us in the FPL Lounge. <laughs>